TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The score! This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. I was, you know, craving baseball. I was, I was fiending for it, you know, like... Um, just, you know, doing what I, what I could in the offseason, you know, enjoying all my family time, um, doing everything I could physically and mentally to, to stay ready for when the moment came. And, um, you know, this was my first official day today. And, um, you know, it just feels, it feels really good and um, beyond excited to get going. Cody Bellinger, he's back. And now it slots some other people in some other places at positions and in the batting order and on the roster. And here to talk about all things Chicago Cubs is Lance Brozdowski. He is on Twitter at Lance Braz, the player development analyst for Marquee Sports Network with us on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Lance, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. So what is the belly re-signing do first and foremost in your eyes what are the most immediate effects on the cubs i think the most immediate effect is is probably decreasing the probability a guy like Pete armstrong breaks camp with the team maybe that's not everyone's uh, immediate response to thinking about it but i do feel like pete was pretty much slotted in as the opening day ish center fielder of some sort or at least having maybe a slightly bigger role from the jump of the season and i think by adding bellinger you kind of mitigate the pressure you have to put on him to perform which is maybe what they want to do you know he's had a lot of discussions with Dustin Kelly this offseason it sounds in terms of reworking his swing understanding the top of the zone specifically where if you watched any of the Brewers games late in the year he kind of got beat up to some extent but I mean you know there's old there's a variety of sayings this is like how many at-bats and plate appearances a guy needs before you actually understand who they are as a hitter at the major league level and I'll just say Pete is so far away from that that we're really starting to still uncover who he is as a hitter. We know who he is as a defender. And I wouldn't be surprised if some more polishing time at AAA um, really kind of helps him make the leap and become at least a league average hitter. Yeah, because if, if they can, because of what he can do defensively, that that's something too. But I, but I am wondering about his development as a defensive player. He made some spectacular plays last year when given an opportunity. He also made some mistakes on some routine plays. So how did the... How do the Cubs go about saying, man, we know you can do all the crazy stuff. Want you to be more consistent with the easier stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I I talked to, I had an interview with Pete last year. I want to say it was maybe July or August, one of those two months. And I was actually kind of surprised. We were talking defense and he said that he didn't think he was playing his best defensively. 
And I, I thought that was a bit surprising because I think no matter any, it, he's one of the few things where when you are watching a game, whether it be live or on television, it's very easy to see that he's exceptionally good at one thing, which is defense. I think a lot of the times it's sometimes difficult for people to realize, you know, you watch a game, you watch four at-bats of a guy, and, and someone's like, he has elite bat speed. It's like, well, maybe he goes one for four or one for three with a walk, swings the bat two times, and you come out of it and you're like, I'm not entirely sure if I understand what like elite bat speed looks like in a player. But I think anyone who watches Pete, in, in any sense, whether it be a crazy play or a more routine play, you immediately realize how good he is as a defender. So to me, it was, it took me aback when he said he was that honest with himself to say, I didn't think I was playing my best defensively last year. And, you know, I don't think he really ever got, he never really gave me an answer as to like, what was different. I wonder if it was just a mindset thing with him. You know, maybe there was just pressure of knowing at some point he was going to be called up and have to perform in the mental side. I think of baseball, something that can seep into performance. And we really don't talk about it. It's much easier to talk about the direct tangible things we see on the field at times. And it's, it's harder to be like, you know, maybe he, maybe he's just thinking too much, you know, like he's been a guy that's so reactionary um, that perhaps he was just thinking too much. So in terms of how you get a guy to be more consistent with routine plays, I, I, I don't necessarily know. I don't think him taking 10% more reps in spring training in center field is really going to get him there. Like he is an elite defender. I wonder whether it's just kind of stitching it all together, understanding that, you know, maybe there's a little more pressure off me this year. I already saw Major League Tom. I don't need to go up and prove to Ross and others that I am the player and you need to play me every day. Now I have counsel who maybe treats younger players a little bit differently. So I wonder if it's just kind of just understanding his place on the roster and understanding that they're committed to him long term and taking a little bit of that pressure off that, you know, I need to perform right now. We fixate on the 26, on breaking camp with the team, heading north <laughs> and all that. But the truth is that a lot really good teams are going to have some roster churn. And when I hear Jed talk, I hear about pride in the 40-man roster and, and having major league ready talent or at least major league complementary talent available. Based on what you know about where the options are and where the flexibility is, how much churn should we expect? Because we we have this feeling that good teams aren't necessarily reliant on the minors, where that that idea is changing, that paradigm is shifting a little bit. Is this going to be a little bit more dynamic use of the roster? It's a it's a great question. I think one of the things that I always think about, and this is maybe a little bit more of like executive talk, so to speak, and thinking in this direction, but I always I don't want to say I'm skeptical, but I'm always very curious to watch when you have a GM or a high-level baseball executive move to an organization with a higher payroll, assumed payroll, from an organization where development and I, I guess you could call it budget crunching is a thing. And I, I, that's the reality is that's where Carter Hawkins came from. The Guardians are a team that loads up on 40-man guys, really good at developing velo in the minors. And then they trade away players when they get too expensive. They, they've done that for, I don't want to say the entirety of their history, but probably the entire 10-year Carter Hawkins was there. Now he comes to the Cubs where the payroll is $150 million higher or whatever. And I, I always wonder like how you kind of change who you are as like a roster builder, given those implications, given the implication that you now can spend more money. I think of the same situation in David Stearns going from Milwaukee to the Mets. I'm very curious to see how he builds out that team, that balance between you have young guys that you can have under team control. 
and pay very little money relative to the performance that they could have and the impact impact excuse me they could have on the field so that is something i think about a lot it's like how do you balance that right you add players through free agency that are higher dollar and then you have other players who are coming up through the minors like an own casey is a great example you go out and trade for michael bush i think personally own casey's a first baseman long term you go out and trade for Michael Bush, really good player, that he comes from an organization that didn't have a spot for him. Mm -hmm. And he's a consensus top 50 prospect who absolutely mashed the AAA. Good teams that are good at developing talent in the minor leagues run into these crunch situations. And a lot of the time, if you're trying to compete as the Dodgers are, and as some of these other teams are, you kind of just have guys that you don't know what to do with. And I think that we're going to, if things go well for the Cubs, that is will be the conversations we're having in the next couple of years is like the wondering of like, this guy's good. We just have nowhere to play him. Like Nelson Velasquez is a great example. Like he's going to probably get 150 games in center field, maybe with the Royals this year. And he's got an above average barrel rate. It's like, I almost wonder like he, he would look pretty good on this team right now. You know what I mean? But there's nowhere to play him. Like, and you have other guys in the minors like Casey, who will probably start as an outfield before moving to first base, I think personally. And then Kevin O'Connor is another guy who's definitely going to stay in the outfield. And these guys are coming through, and it's like you you run into these situations where a guy, the timing of a, having a really good talent on your team just doesn't really work. So I, I'm not expecting a ton of churn on the main cornerstone pieces of the roster, I would say, this year, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. And I do think that when you have a Matt Shaw or a Noah Casey or someone else pop in the minors, you have to almost find a spot for them, you know? And I think, obviously, the big thing right now is third base. Um does Morel stay there throughout the entirety of the season? Do we see him play 130 games as what, the at least what do you average think? defender? You know? What do you think? If what do that? I think? I think at the end of the uh, – do I go hot take here? I don't know. How do we feel? However you feel. I think, <laughs> I think by September, Matt Shaw will probably play, be playing some third base for the Chicago Cubs. That's not really an indictment on Christopher Morel. I think it's more – what is the best team if this team is in contention? And I think adding Matt Shaw to this lineup, if he performs as he did in the minor leagues, is is exactly what you – that's how you make your team even better with a late-season call-up, right? Especially, again, if there's no injuries, et cetera, we'll assume no injuries. But I really think a guy like Matt Shaw adding that bat to the lineup and not putting the pressure on him to be a top-six hitter would be really dynamic late in the year as like a boost to the offense. So that's what I'll say. Again, not an indictment of Morrell. I think he'll actually play a reasonable third base. It might just be a matter of what is the best team that we could put on the field from an offensive and defensive standpoint. And perhaps that's kind of PCA center shot third, Morrell, DHing, maybe mixed in with Bush. Like there's, again, you see already as I go through this calculus, you're, you're squeezing out a player or two. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated to kind of see what they do with a guy like Matt Shaw. What do you think Morrell needs to work on to solidify playing okay enough third base? It's really just a consistency thing, right? Like we saw throws last year that were kind of all over the map. And that's another thing that's tough because it's it's a rep. It's not even like a reps thing. Like, I, again, I'm not sure if taking 10 to 20% more reps at third base really makes you that dramatically better of a defender. Maybe it's more changing something fundamentally, which I haven't really had a chance to talk to him or any of the defensive coaches to understand if they're really trying to change something in particular. I mean, he's made some nice plays in spring, going to his left, diving in the hole, made a nice play. Like, his range is good. He's a freakishly athletic guy. So I, I'm I'm not concerned about that. I'm more concerned about these blips that are like, you know, man on third, two outs, chopper to him, he runs in, and then he throws the ball away, the run scores. It's like that, I think, is going to stand out. Defensive stuff is very hard to value, I think, from the analytics standpoint, because you see an instance like that, 
and you go, okay, that had an immediate impact on run scoring. Whereas like the accumulation of him making other smaller plays is like, that's really valuable. So it's like how many maybe of those blip kind of throwaway inconsistency of arm situations do we have relative to how many plays he makes consistently? That's kind of your balance. That's what I think the calculus has to be looking two months into the season, seeing how he is from a defensive standpoint. Tell me if I made a good bet or a bad bet just <laughs> in the last hour, because I was considering the difference between the first half and the second half. I bet Lawrence that okay. Jamison Tyone would have a Fangraphs wins above replacement number of two or higher this year. Okay, that's an interesting bet. I haven't really looked too much. Like, Tyone's funny. Like, he was the big talk of last offseason, and I can't say I, like, have really thought about him too much in the offseason because we're so – I'm fascinated to see what Imanaga looks like on Saturday, you know, and, and the rest of his spring starts and see if he can really kind of solidify as, like, a three or a four or where – kind of the range of outcomes is there. I think he has the biggest range of outcomes in the rotation. I I think that's a good bet. Um, I, again, health is always really hard to factor in with starting mm-hmm. pitching. Uh, Tyone's been a guy that's been, I think, 140 plus for each of the last three seasons. And I think in one of one of the, one or two of those years, he was probably above two war from the fan graphs perspective. So I think I like that bet. I think the okay. one thing in understanding how fan graphs was calculated is like it really values strikeouts. It's basically looking at strikeouts, walks, and homers and distilling that into like an expected or run metric, which is what we know as FIP. And then FIP becomes the driver of Fangraph's war. So Tyone doesn't strike out a ton of guys. So he's going to have to limit home runs and limit walks in order for you to kind of hit that bet through 160 innings. It would be my analysis of it. And I think he will. I think that he's a guy who suppresses home run contact quality pretty well with his cutter. Um, And he's always been a good control guy. So that blip he had at the beginning of last year, if that just evens out in his more league average performance, he should you should get right right at two to two point five WAR. I would say. All right, well then you're going to owe me a dollar too when it doesn't happen. Deal. Um, all right, <laughs> it was only a dollar. Come on. Yeah, we we, we we do the 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 trading places Mortimer bet. That's what we do. We bet got a it, dollar, okay. a crisp dollar. What's what's fair to expect from Michael Bush? I think it's fair to expect above average offensive performance from him. You know, like you think of like kind of a nerdy stat, like a way to run created plus, like what is your contribution to offensive production scale to 100 such that something that's say 15, 115 is 15% above the league average. I think you have to expect him to be like a 115 to 125 player. You know, he's really good OBP. It's good power. He's not going to strike out a lot. Um, I think there's probably 20 homer pop in there. We'll see if that grows over time. The calling card in him has always been that he can hit, and he runs in the same situation I was talking about with PCA earlier. Is we need a bigger sample of these guys at the major league level to understand who they are as offensive talents. Um, and he just ran into a poor situation where they couldn't really find a defensive fit. You know, the Dodgers couldn't really give him the time to kind of even out and figure out who he was as a hitter. They're crunched, so they trade him for Jackson Ferris, who's a really an arm that I really like, but doesn't need to be on the forty man roster, and they can wait another two and a half, three years before they have to do that in LA. So. Yeah, I think I think it's a, I think it's totally fine to be bullish on his offense. I think the question more so, you know, talking to some Dodger people about him, he wasn't really ever a good defender, and I don't think that I think that maybe was perhaps the main problem is the Dodgers understanding that at some point maybe some of their guys age out to that DH position or first base position, and I just had struggled to see how a guy like Bush, and I think they struggled to see how, how a guy like Bush would eventually fit into that situation. So we'll see. Like de- defensive value changes depending on where you are in the diamond right up the middle is really important as you get to the corners it becomes less important first base defense we saw you know anthony rizzo in the past was really valuable but 
for the most part, it doesn't have a massive impact on the game relative to the other positions. Other people might tell you otherwise. I'm just kind of communicating what the numbers say there. So I think even if he's like a below average league defender, defender at first base, it's okay. But I, I think it's totally fine to be a little bullish on the offensive production. It's going to be driven by a really good approach at the plate and, and good batted ball quality metrics. So I'm I'm totally fine saying he's like a 20% above average hitter. You said that you were looking forward to watching Imanaga. What, what exactly are you trying to find out in this start fastball location um when you look at back at wbc and even some of his mpb data the mpb is a very different way of approaching pitching they really like pitching down in the zone he's got what you'd call like a high carry fastball it's it's got that vertical movement that ride that resistance to gravity that works really well up in the zone and if you look at any of his heat maps he pitched down a lot he, he would go for these like strikes down strikes away strikes inside and he'd kind of elevate at times I want him elevating early in count. I want the ability for that vertical movement to play best at the top of the zone. Now, there's a point at which you can get so advanced as a pitcher that you start then pitch, throwing pitches below the zone that then rise into the zone for called strikes. You know, you think of that idea of like, okay, top of the zone, carry fastball. It's going to stay above well, the Well, it like, doesn't really rise. Exactly. I mean, you're not With, throwing a wiffle gravity. ball. Yeah. Exactly. It drops less right. than you would expect. Maybe that's the way to put yes. it, right? drops less than you would expect. So if you apply that same logic to the bottom of the strike zone, right, you could maybe as a hitter see a ball visually coming in below your knees and then it kicks up ever so slightly. It drops less than you would expect and ends up in the zone. This is something that Walker Buehler talked about a lot, the Dodgers, in terms of he has a carry fastball put down in the zone. So I, I like that idea of eventually going to that point, but I think he's a guy that they really need to get up in the zone and have everything work off that. So I'm watching, you know, whoever's catching him, where they set up, how consistently is he able to kind of make that adjustment to elevate the fastball? Lance, man, you, you do a great job. And I, I told Thank you, I told Dan earlier, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand it. Like you and Kamka at the same place. Like this is going to be, <laughs> you talk about, it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be super I'll, smart by the end of the baseball season. I, I'll give you a nugget there. I ran into Chris the other day, introduced myself first time meeting him. Of course I followed him on Twitter, which is always funny when you're like, Oh, I, I followed you on Twitter. I didn't even know, but um, but yeah, I ran into him and, you know, the first thing I asked him was what data sources do you use for baseball analysis, which I think encapsulates who I am as a person, who Chris is as a person. We had a really good conversation for like two minutes on, on that topic saying what resources we use. So You're talking about Savant and Codify and, and, uh, all these other things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious what he used. Well, so it was, it was a fun combo. My standard for broadcasting, particularly baseball broadcasting, is a fairly low one where I say, especially at the national level, just don't make people dumber. I think yeah, it is like it that. is it's industry it should be industry standard to do the do it the way you do it, where you actively make us smarter. So I appreciate that a lot. I, from I, think, I think that's awesome. Thanks, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. That is Lance Brozdowski. A big fan of his. Yeah, you'll you'll hear him as much as we can have him on in baseball. Yeah, season. As, as much as he would like to be on this stupid radio show. He knows stuff and explains stuff in a way that's easily understandable. That's right. Let's talk quarterbacking next. We have more social facilitation when it comes to saying things that are outside of the mainstream popular sentiment when it yep. comes to quarterbacks. Specifically the one at the top of the draft. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, on. And 
and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. A dynamic group, all different flavors in this draft um, there's guys that you know have all the talent and tools in the world um, and it's up to us as a scouting staff to kind of see do they have enough and what's what, what's the internal part what's the the drive that they have the leadership because um, that that's really really important when you look at the history of, of quarterbacks so um, it's a good group so that's again it makes a very unique situation that's Bears general manager Ryan Poles on NFL Network with Stacy Dales talking about quarterbacks, as we are going to do in this segment. But first, a quick reminder, the Charity Poker Championship that benefits Camp One Step and helps kids with cancer and leukemia experience the simple joys of childhood is Thursday, April 18th, and we are going to be getting together and playing Texas Hold'em to send the winner of this tournament to the World Series of Poker main event in Las Vegas. So if you're going to do this, I urge you to visit CampOneStep.org between now and midnight. And the reason is because we've had a special through February event that has or promotion that has been running, and that is a free add-on of 5,000 in chips for the first 100 people to register for the event. And we have, I think there's 15 left. That's all, just 15 that are expected to go between now and midnight. So if, you, if you're planning to play in the tournament, like, yeah, well, I always get around to signing up. Sign up now. Get registered now because that way you get a free 5,000-chip add-on that makes a big difference. So, again, it's Camp One Step. Dot org camponestep.org. Do this. I can't wait to see everybody on Thursday, April 18th at Galleria Marchetti. That man is going to be a celebrity you bounty. You better get those extra 5,000 chips because I'm taking them. <laughs> Shane's going to be a bounty. Parkins is going to be a bounty. Spiegel's going to be a bounty. And there's all sorts of others that are going to be around having fun. There's spectator tickets available if you just want to come eat and drink. The food, by the way, last year. Yeah, it was awesome, wasn't it? It was so good. Because we've, le- we've learned how to play the hits. We know what people want, and we give it to them and make sure there's plenty of it. After, so. I, after I got knocked out, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to sit out here on the patio because we had that ridiculously nice night, too. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm going to sit out here on the patio, make myself a taco or two, 
Enjoy it. Did you go to the S'mores bar? No. Oh, late in the night when we had, they, we set out the giant marshmallows and the Hershey bars, graham crackers, oh. and, and, and the sticks that we, because you know there's that gas fire out there? Yes. So every, you could make, you would make your own s'mores do your own marshmallows all right, if they have that again this Wait, year the marshmallows smell like gas do they no, turn no, out no, already no, it's, a fl- it's just a flame okay no no no. you can you can you can make a s'more out of anything this oh, so good so good uh so yeah get on that don't miss out on one of these there's just a handful of seats so even after that you're like oh i forgot to do it because you poker players are just can be so lazy when it comes to signing up for stuff and last minute here's a reason i want to be the first person that signs up i want to see who's gonna be there Yeah, here's a reason not to be so well i'm gonna be there i'm gonna take your chips CampOneStep.org. Come be a part of it. It's fun. It's for a great cause. You might go to Vegas and win a ton of money. So you heard polls talking about quarterbacks. Let's hear somebody else talking about quarterbacks because it's that time of year where people are going to stake out their their territory, say everybody thinks this. Popular wisdom says this, but I, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN, think otherwise. I thought that Caleb Williams was a lock at number one because I thought Drake May would be the guy. I was wrong in that. Jaden Daniels should be the guy. If I were the Chicago Bears right now, I would take Jaden Daniels out of LSU. That is not a knock on Caleb Williams. That is a plus and Jaden Daniels. I think, number one, when you watch all these guys play, the best thrower, the best guy against man coverage, ball placement-wise, is Jaden Daniels. Number two, when we're talking about explosive play, like guys who have to throw the ball downfield, what does it look like? Jaden Daniels throws the ball best downfield. And then number three, who's got the best pocket piece? When I say piece, it's P-E-A-C-E. All these guys are athletic. It's no longer like this plus. Every one of these guys has that attribute. The patience and the peace within the pocket, he's the best at. Um, Candidly, I think when it comes to what guy had the best game, none of these guys' games compare to Jaden Daniels against Florida. If you just watch that player versus the University of Florida, you would go, that's the best player in college football, and he's going to be the guy that transfers the best into the NFL. Caleb Williams is fantastic. I think Jaden Daniels is better. Okay, so this... I, I like Dan a lot. I think that he's usually very measured in his conversations about quarterbacks. But I just want to get back to something. First of all, one slight correction. Drake May is not athletic. That is one of the things that people have been saying about him on the record and off. Um, t- two, I thought the whole thing was Caleb is so special. That's why you feel emboldened to move on from fields. That was the whole point, was you would otherwise not, but you cannot miss this opportunity. This specific guy. And you know, I, I like Dan, like Daniels better than Williams. But I'm telling you, let them make that pick. See what happens. If you're at number one, you can't not take Caleb Williams. You got to move off the pick if you're not taking him. And and, and here's here's the thing about that. As I joke about that, I do want the business. Why I asked Weederer about this. I want the Bears to make sure that they do all of their homework and that they don't just fall in love and just say, screw it, like this is the guy that we're and, and then miss the opportunity. I just Whenever we've had this conversation, the conversation was, well, look, 
The rest of these guys in the draft are fine. They're probably all going to be good pros. But this guy is so special that you have to take him. We're getting mission drift is what we're getting. It's classic mission drift. Don't lose sight of what the, the mission was going in. Going even like as far as a calendar year ago, whatever you have to do to get this guy. But but okay, but that that sh- I'm I know I'm contradicting myself because that should be looked at as a positive. I'm not saying it isn't. That that okay, the cleanest prospect: Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, John Elway, Patrick Mahomes. This guy, you said that I didn't. I never said it. <laughs> Other people have. And now, Including the man himself, and, Caleb. And now it's like you've done all this, all the machinations, all the calculations, all of the losing on purpose, and all of the fleecing your opponents to, to be here, and now you're telling me, wait, what? That, was all, that wasn't true? Or he got worse? Really? I'm, I'm just a little confused at what's happening. I thought all the stuff that's happening was happening because... This prospect was so above and beyond. Like, that's the funny part to me. He's not only supposed to be above and beyond his peers. He's supposed to be above and beyond current quarterbacks in the NFL. And had better be. If you're in your contending window and you're ready to hand him the keys to your team opening game this year if i'm putting some of the stuff together like some of the analysis which is what we're talking about here all the time i agree with what merrill hodge was saying about the amount of time that caleb williams had to throw the ball and what does he look like with a dirty pocket i agree with orlovsky i think Jaden daniels throws the ball better but where where I and I, I'm a Jaden Daniels guy. Like I re, I've liked Jaden Daniels since he came out of high school. The thing about it is Caleb makes better decisions when he does run than Jaden Daniels does. Because of how like Jaden Daniels does the thing that I hate the most when people run, he will try to jump over someone mm. in the mm. middle of the field. And he got plastered doing that twice last season. Never do that if you're a quarterback. Ever. Ever. You're not supposed to do that. Unless you're Cam Newton. Unless you're at the goal line. You you want to try and make a play at the goal line? I'm here for it. You're, you're the 40? What are you doing? Get out. Especially when you're built like he's built. Where it feels like if he gets hit, he's going to disintegrate into a pile of dust. So I do think that there, this, what I wanted, Dan, and I guess we're here now. I wanted all of this before. I wanted the, well, Drake May really throws the ball well. Well, Jaden Daniels is also dual threat, and he happens to be six, five and a half. Before we made all the binary presumptions. Yes! Why wasn't this done before? Where were all these people? I was out here in the wilderness. Where were they at? They started studying more. But that's, 
He was playing every week. And it was like, well, don't watch this bad game of Caleb Williams. Well, why not? Well, he won the Heisman the year before. I get that. But it wasn't this even in the is, conversation this year. This is this year, though. Well, go, is- go look at his 2022 tape. I have. And it's unbelievable. Now talk to me about 2023. A lot of the tape in 2023 is also unbelievable. I agree. There's some stuff on there that you go, oh, my God, how did he do that? Even the stuff that's not like the the freakish breaking the pocket, making incredible throws stuff is still there's a lot of really good in there, too. Why? When we were talking about this. Why was it there's Caleb and then there's everyone else? Well, for. What and I've, now, and now it's there's Caleb, but maybe I think. Can I? I think that we've seen a seen and heard a few people come out and say, "Well, it's a little closer." Most of the people that I see are still it's Caleb, tear break, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, tear break. And, why, and I think now it's Jaden Daniels, Drake May. Yes, I in reverse that order because I'm with you on. I think I would take Jaden Daniels over Drake. And May. then there are the people who are like. But watch that J.J. McCarthy. I did watch him. He played with 10 pros. Well, and Jaden Daniels' wide receivers are NFL. And he had a ton of time to throw. And doesn't throw over the middle. I I would just... I would just like for this... I'd like for this to never be a problem for the Bears again, which is asking a lot. But if it is, I would like for people to, you know bring up these very valid criticisms before so that people didn't like they gotta have Caleb or anything else. This is the draft that changes a franchise. Whatever they do, if they can if they can secure the first pick in this draft, this is it. Well now it's not to take that guy? Where where were all these people? Were they locked in a cave? Were we not listening to them? Was Dan Orlovsky always standing on the uh, on the the tallest mountain shouting this? No. The way he started it was, I thought Caleb Williams was the no doubt number one. Right. What changed your mind? Because he said he said that Jaden Daniels is a better passer. Look, Look, it probably the truth is that it's probably. Caleb is more special than the rest of these guys. And and we'll find our way back around to it over the next five weeks. I just don't understand how it's so predictable. This is where I get mad at the whole concept of the generational talent thing. It's so predictable that, oh, so you guys are just going to ignore the Heisman Trophy winner. That's got NFL measurables. And it's like he's now been discovered. I, have you guys seen this Jaden Daniels guy? Apparently, he won the Heisman Trophy last year. Isn't it, like, it, it's weird that this didn't happen more what? when Trevor Lawrence was coming out. There's, there, there wasn't as much talk as there should have been about Justin Fields in that draft. It I was, have oh, some, Trevor Lawrence is no doubt number one. I have some theories about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who are you going to take number two? 
Well, I saw this guy, and he did this thing where he was throwing routes on air, and he reversed out. I saw Justin Fields do that in a game. I saw Justin Fields eviscerate the number one team in the country by himself with broken ribs. Yes, that's the game that I'm talking about. I saw other quarterbacks in that draft do that particular move in games, but no, no, no. It was in a workout. He's sneaky athletic. So he's white. Exactly. Ah, yes. You cracked the code. Aha! (laughs) Got you. I know what you're describing in your sneaky athleticism, and I bet he wears black or white (laughs) shoes that make him look faster or slower. And he plays for the Bulls now. He's owner of Bidim. Watch. We still haven't heard from him. We could. Instead of me going off of why, why draft analysts don't talk about these things, you know, while they're watching college football. And they say, whoa, 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 I just figured something out. Everybody thinks this. I'm now the guy who thinks this. Why didn't you think it before? I don't know. I didn't know who Jaden Daniels was. I just didn't. You mean to tell me that there's a six foot five quarterback in North Carolina that's got a rocket for an arm? Really? I'm going to have to investigate. He was playing the whole time. The games were happening. Televised some of them even. Almost all of them on your network. Yep. Okay. And just so we're clear, my frustration is not with Caleb. My frustration is these people, you people, have told me for a year and a half the dude is the dude. And now he's not the dude? It's going to be hilarious. This is going to be hilarious when they take Drake May after all this. R.I.P. Parkins is mentioned. <laughs> or, or, or if they take Caleb Williams and he sucks. Man. Like, these, these are the things... With my experience with the Bears, I'm just waiting for one of those outcomes. They got it. They got it. They got it. They got Caleb Williams any good? No, he's terrible. Oh, oh, well, that's another thing. That's another part of this. Oh, well, you're taking Caleb Williams because he's a a freak and your team is ready to compete right now. And are we Reed Weederer today? And it's like, well, he's going to have some some bumps as a. Wait a wait a damn minute. I was told that I don't have to worry about that. What the hell, man? <laughs> Just wait. It's going to get sillier. With every day that passes, that's the only thing I can predict for sure. The, the Bears have go- to make this move because they're so close defensively that you don't want it to be ruined with inconsistent play at quarterback. Uh, rookies are almost always inconsistent. Not this not one. this one. Which one? But he's not the best passer in the draft, though. Four weeks later, he might have some problems adjusting to the NFL. Really? <laughs> you don't say. And what tells you that? Um, A mountain of history tells us that that's the case. But back... But back in December, I was told that there wasn't going to be a problem. That this was the right move. And damn it, make it. So make it. Pick the best quarterback. It doesn't matter what anyone says.
What? <laughs> you know I'm right. You know that I'm right. And just you. Here's the thing, though. I also know it's going to get sillier. This is this is just the beginning of this. This is just the beginning of because it's this always happens. This is it's very similar to my rule with deciding who you think is going to win the Super Bowl the moment you know who the competitors are, because in the two weeks that intervene, things get really silly. Yes, that's what's happening now, Dan. People even more so. People were yelling at me for asking these questions, and then now everyone's asking these questions. And it's totally fine. Yell at them. I think we're out of time to do the larger topic. Damn it. So let's hear from uh, owner Alphabetium. <laughs> As let's I, do that Yes, yeah, so we missed it. He had the game last night. He had his debut. And I think there should be more Chicago Bulls getting some of these opportunities because, you know, development. That's important. Do that next in the score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Station. DeRozan to go in a post up to Vooch on the smaller D end. Cross court, Patine. Three ball. Got it! Unroll up, Patine. This is your night. Come in. It's going to be because that's why he's here. Let him play with this skill set. He will make shots. Absolutely. Owner Alpatim. I've been wanting to anagram it for a while, but I haven't. I mean, maybe during a break because it, it, it just seems as so many Bitcoin. as so many oh. Turkish names do seems ripe for anagramming to find out where the truth lies. But I got I got to shout out our friend Sinim. Yes, I wonder if she knows. Knows owner Alp. If, if there's a Turkish player on the Bulls, I don't know if she knows that. Well, there have been before. There, I mean, the great Omer Ashik was here. I'm going to text her right now. My guy Omer. My Go Omer t-shirt, let's not forget. And there was another one, too. Let's find the history of, of Turkish players on the Bulls. I don't know if it's quite like Cubans on the White Sox, but... They they like to scout Turkey? So, well, the thing is that the actual Turkish league, what, what a lot of pro and NBA scouts like about it, is the guys who play EuroLeague and the guys who play there play a rugged brand of basketball they don't lack for toughness and that's why generally you can have the turkish players are 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 tougher and stronger than some guys in some of the other independent european leagues and that's even when they get into more euro league wider spread stuff that the culture of and and i've always told you this the, the coolest thing if you're flying into istanbul constantinople it's istanbul Constantinople. Da, 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 da. So shut up, studs. What you see the, the, in the 90s, that song rock, the, the minarets, the onion domes and everything. And, and we flew in on a gorgeous day over, over the, the Bosphorus and just seeing the architecture is stunning. That and the basketball courts, rich people problems everywhere. The basketball court, just like, wow. And, and, and tucked into little areas of different sizes and stuff. There's just, and it, it's noticeable. In just coming into this densely populated city, what, what what basketball means there, and so I mentioned that because of the organizations win championships podcast, Jason has been our correspondent in charge of the Windy City Bulls, 
He's actually over spring break. He's covering a game. He's going to go check out the uh, the Bucknell kid that's there, Andrew Funk. He's going to go talk to him. But he has bring in the noise, bring in <laughs> the funk. Having talked to Adama Sonogo and people forget Derek Favors has been out there, so he's seen a lot of owner out him and said defensively. He's not quite there yet. He's going to have to figure out some things defensively. Well, yeah. But he obviously can hit open jumpers. And what another uh, NBA source told me was that he's got to get meaner. You got to get mean. He does. That he's got to get angry. He's a super nice, clean cut kid who, while physically, you know, well built, strong, he just that he doesn't necessarily have an edge to his game, and they're trying to bring that out of him. Can he dodge a wrench? He spoke last night after the game, after his breakthrough NBA performance, and here's what he had to say. I got to tell you something. You came in, you gave this team a huge lift. You played, what, 27 minutes in a couple of threes. So take me through this game. What, what are your emotions right now? I mean, uh, I can't describe how happy I am right now. Um, I mean, since I came here, like, I was uh, trying to be ready if the chance is come. And I was ready, and when the chance came, <laughs> I, I, well, he's getting doused a shower from Andre Drummond. <laughs> the thing is, I'm always dream a moment like this. I'm very happy to because I have a really great teammates. They help me. I mean, I'm very happy. I'm very uh, happy. Thank you so you, much. You you played outstanding, and we we know you can shoot the three. You you did a fantastic job there, but defensively tonight. You were huge. Defensive, your energy on the floor really helped the team turn things around and get the stops you needed. How have you stayed prepared for this moment? Um, actually, I mean, my teammates and my coaches helped a lot because like, even when I was not playing, uh, they were teaching me and talking to me about like our defensive system because it's very different from the European system. And then I was always trying to learn them, watch them. We were texting each other. Even I was with the G League team. I was watching Bulls game, and I was um, watching the details. And I tried my best to do it, but I know I still need to do much better. And I promise I will be much better. Now, you were you were fantastic. You, you were fantastic. You. So this moment must mean so much to you. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's like my dad is here. Oh. Uh, my my mom is most probably watching. Like really, it's 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 a blessing to be here and to get the win and be on the court. Thank well, you. Outstanding. Listen, on behalf of all of us, congratulations. Thank it's you so a much. big, Great big game. moment and statement for you. Unreal up, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. That's uh, very nice. It's owner Alp, not owner Lap. It's fine. No, it's not. It's his name. It's fine. It's not fine. It's let's not, dance. Let's party. Let's owner Alp. Owner Alp Batim. That was very sweet. Yes. I'm glad that we played that sound. The Bulls have so many individual guys I like. That's the thing. They really do. I I, I love Andre Drummond. As you should. I mean, you paid him $50. Paid him $100. $100. Yeah. I, I, he's just so much fun. And I know he's probably going to be gone next year. But I, I I don't know what the team is. I don't know where they're going. But they're, they're on nights like that. Just Say, wish, his, say his name again. Owner Ralph Bittim. My guy. Jason Leisure is going to join us next, so we have no concept of what is going to happen in the next 25 minutes on the score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. 
The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.